Howdy doody, episode number 18. Hello gang, I'm back. Episode number 18, and I do apologise for not being around. Um, And the last episode was indeed with Pamela, which a lot of you really enjoyed, and I've had some nice feedback from that. So thank you, and thank you Pamela again. And thank you to all my guests. And thank you to all of you for joining me again. I really genuinely do mean it, and I'm so... I feel so, my heart feels warm when I uh, look at uh, comments and and, um, and I get feedback and and generally just the uh, the people that are listening from all around the globe. And I always say it, but it's, uh, it's it, there are some very far flung, far flung, that's difficult to say on a hot summer's day, far flung places where people are listening from. So thank you so much for searching me out and I'm not quite sure how you found me, some of you, in certain places, but I'm glad you did, so please stick with me. Subscribe. Subscribe and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, It's genuinely been a a wonderful experience these last 18 episodes, Um, and uh, people have been going back and starting at the beginning, and I know some people are probably going to be hearing this maybe even, who knows, maybe even a year later. Um, I know I'm behind on a lot of podcasts, and sometimes when people talk about news items, I think, ah, oh, hang on, and I realise that I actually am months and months behind. And So if you are joining us, and this is now June, June 2017, um, and uh, so this is where, we, we, if you've gone forward back in time, yes, back, um, then that's when this was recorded. Just because I keep, I, I realise I should start saying that because a lot of other podcasters do give exact dates and I haven't been doing exact dates. But anyway, I digress. Um, thank you again. Um, so please listen and subscribe. Um, as I say, I really want to thank Pamela um, last week. I hope you really all enjoyed last week, two weeks ago. You really enjoyed uh, our chat. Um, it was genuinely refreshing to have a lady in the mix and there are other women ahead uh, I'm looking forward to talking to and introducing you to so there'll be more of that more news on more guests soon um, I did have a guest lined up and there was going to be an episode but unfortunately a major technical glitch happened and it threw a spanner in the works and so the day of the recording um, I'm afraid I lost my guest I'm hoping to get that particular guest back uh, in the not too distant future but I say unfortunately for now um, that's going to have to be delayed somewhat so I do apologise for that but as I say sometimes technical glitches and the other thing is life has been busy um, it's not been anything tragic it's just been um, a lot of a lot of stuff to do and to think about um, and I'm starting rehearsals on Monday I'm recording this on Friday and I'm starting rehearsals on Monday which I'm really looking forward to I'll talk about that in a minute um but yes, I, I, I could have thrown one together uh, last week. And, well, for you, dear listeners, I feel I didn't just want to throw something together because it really would have been just kind of talking about what I'd eaten. <laughs> and I, 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 yeah, if I talk about food, it's going to be about something particularly special, not me wittering on about bolognese that I've made. So no, so I didn't. Dear listeners, um, I, I held off till this week. Um, and this week, um, I went to an exhibition um, at the British Library on gay life. It's part of the Pride Month 
celebrations in London. And I will talk to you a lot about that. That's what this week's podcast will be about mainly. Um, and some of the fascinating things I saw there. And I want to kind of encourage you to go and see it. But we'll talk about more about that shortly. Um, as I say, um, the guest that uh, was due next week will be co- hopefully joining us down the line. So um, uh, keep your ears peeled. Um, I have a few more lined up. Um, again, there may be a possibility of slight erraticness um, as we get into the depths of rehearsal. Um, it could be a, a, another kind of week in between. I'm going to try not to, as I said the last time I missed an episode, I'm going to try and not miss an episode. So um, I don't want to to let you... Uh, wonderful people down because I know lots of people are really enjoying it and it's part of your week. I certainly know when I'm listening to other people, it's part of my week and and, and when weeks go by and and people don't post podcasts, I feel a bit not hurt, but um, it's a part of my week that fits in and I look forward to special days when particular podcasts come out. Anyway, I'm going to try and and keep up with you. Um, Yes, so again, thank you, everybody. the as I say, next week is is the beginning of rehearsals for the play that I've talked to you about before, Chinese Whispers, which I'm doing at the Greenwich Theatre, um, and I will post details. Um, I will links um, on SoundCloud and iTunes to where you can buy tickets because <laughs> I'd like you to come down. It'd be really brilliant if uh, perhaps uh, some of my listeners, uh, especially ones in the UK, uh, were able to come and see me and uh, come and have a chat and have a drink um just don't come on a matinee because i won't be able to hang around too much but please 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 come along as i say more details on that but i met up with one of the cast this week um to do a bit of a read through and chat through some scenes and he was just really lovely he was a really fun um actor and I'm really looking forward to working with him and I'm hoping to actually to persuade him to be a guest. He would actually be a really good guest. Um, and uh, it's a, an actor called Mark Farrelly, who is uh, who's been playing Quentin Crisp for a while now. And um, he, I actually quite like to I was talking to him about it whilst post finishing work the other day. Um, and I'd probably like to get him in to talk about that anyway. That's more down the line. And to be honest with you, I'm really looking forward just to the process of being in a play rehearsal because I've been in pantomime and that's so much fun. And then I've been doing some very kind of f- f- a physical show last year, kind of larger than life stuff and uh, film um, and then obviously voice stuff. But to actually be back in a rehearsal for a play, I think it'll be a joy. I hope it'll be a joy. I know it will be a joy. I'm going to make it a joy. So um, expect to hear news of that as it it goes on. There's been a few other things that have happened this week, which again, I'm going to have to keep shnum until they happen. But um, I'm looking forward to some possibilities of other exciting things performance-wise down the line. So I'll keep you posted. Um, Now... Recommendations. Now, my first recommendation this week, and by the way, if I am snapping and tapping with my tongue um, and I'm a little bit slower than normal and I didn't really want to mention the weather because I promised I wouldn't and uh, Keith has pointed out that I, every time I say I'm not going to, I do. Anyway, it's swelteringly hot and clearly in the room I record this, um, I have to 
keep all the windows closed to avoid traffic noise to some degree. Oh, as soon as I say that, there is some. But um, yeah, so trust me, if I had the window open, you'd be hearing lawnmowers and all sorts. It's it's very muggy. So if I'm slow, apologies. Anyway, enough about the weather. I digress. Um, So my recommendation this week, my first recommendation this week, is one that actually has been a bit controversial. Not people uh, thinking that I'm being controversial by choosing this as a recommendation, but people have attacked this particular recommendation in reviews um, and online. Um, a lot of people are going for going for her. The person, the her I'm referring to is Katy Perry. Now, I really genuinely haven't been a big fan, uh, kind of... I've always felt that perhaps her music was aimed at a younger demographic. Um, and then, to be quite frank, I'd heard I heard one track of the new album and just went straight to it, downloaded it immediately, and absolutely love it. It's called Witness by Katy Perry, and I love it. Um, but a lot of people don't like it, and I think one of the reasons people are anti it is because she's veering away from the norm and she's been doing some really interesting kind of promotional campaign stuff uh to 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 when the album was launched she spent i think it was three or maybe four days in a essentially in a big brother house but it was her and she had some of her mates some of her chums came in to stay with her she had various guests who popped in rupaul there we go there's a mention for this week uh, Gordon Ramsay came in and they cooked, I believe. Yes, they did. They cooked in the kitchen. I didn't watch <laughs> the, the whole three or four days. I just watched kind of highlights. Uh, James Corden came in. They played um, some kind of truth or dare type game, which was quite fun. Um, and then she sat in in a, psych- a psychiatrist chair, which I initially just felt a bit of distrust and thought well this isn't real is it and actually do you know what it felt very real the um it's on youtube and you can actually just do if you type in katie perry rupaul katie perry james called katie perry psychiatrist i think it's maybe an hour of her talking to a psychiatrist and i'm very skeptical about that kind of thing and rightly so and we should all be skeptical of things like that but it was I think it was real and it was quite honest and she talked a lot about trying to leave Katy Perry the pop star behind and and being becoming more Catherine Hudson which is her real name um and it was quite emotional and I really didn't expect that to I I, I, as I say I was very cynical very skeptical about the whole thing but ended up really kind of buying into it uh I don't know maybe I'm just one over easily but um, so anyway, again, I say that kind of took me back to the album and I just, yeah, I I really, really, really dig it, shall we say. And then um, probably a bit late to the table on this, but her appearances on Saturday Night Live, which I'd missed and found on YouTube, Saturday Night Live in the US, performing um, this track called Swish Swish with like 20 drag queens she had a guy who was one of the Blonde Ambition dancers dancing with her. And she had this kind of YouTube sensation boy dancing with her. Um, 
it was it was just it was really really interesting performance but people the comments the hateful comments on youtube and again it kind of takes me back to this thing at the moment that the the, the the hate that people spill on celebrities there's other places to spill your hate i'm going to talk about well i'm going to just mention the word politician perhaps that's where the hate needs to be spilt in the world and uh, and let the celebrities get on with it just being celebrities and entertaining us hopefully anyway um i'd say this album compares to uh well fits in with the kind of if you know her i think i may have mentioned her before in a podcast rasheen murphy if you don't google her rasheen murphy and kind of 90s madonna it's just very it's a lot more mature it's probably not an album that uh, a younger audience would probably buy into it's got some great singles i've mentioned uh swish swish and then another track called bon appetit and and they have been out uh for a while so i'm kind of again i'm probably a bit late to this party but anyway she's playing glastonbury this weekend glastonbury festival in the uk um, so I'm going to uh, sit down and watch the show on TV with Keith. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Now, my other recommendation this week is, um, because I want to get on to tell you about where I've been and the things I've been doing with the, um, the stuff at the British Library, but the uh, the other thing was kind of going back to my mindfulness and my interest in that. I listened to, listened to the second book by Ruby Wax, called Frazzled. And for those of you who don't know who Ruby Wax is, again, have a look on YouTube. She has, uh, she's, she's, she, well, the thing that probably comes to mind worldwide is that she was, uh, she wrote a lot of, and edited a lot of Absolutely Fabulous with Jennifer Saunders. Um, She did her own, she used to do her own comedy. Um, She was a, um, she interviewed a lot of celebrities in the, I guess, 80s, and definitely into the 90s, um, but just kind of overworked herself and suffered from depression and discovered mindfulness and how much it has helped her. And she said it's not the cure-all, be-all and end-all, that it doesn't just make everything better immediately and that she, you have to keep going back and you have to kind of persist with mindfulness. But... Um, Anyway, it's uh, the first book was kind of like my Bible for a while um, when I was feeling particularly frazzled myself. But this book, Frazzled, is great. I loved it. Um, it's uh, It kind of delves into how you keep yourself buoyant, but also how you can assist others as well as yourself. And there's a, an interesting section, especially for mums uh, well, and dads, to teach kids mindfulness and how you deal with... Uh, how you can use mindfulness with troublesome teenagers, which I tried using in a class this week, and it actually did work for me and slightly for them. I didn't tell them I was doing anything mindful, um, but just kind of to keep a very rowdy group of kids calm, and it worked. Anyway, uh, Ruby Wax, go and discover her. Go, her book, Frazzled, is uh, I read, I listened to it on Audible, so uh, that's the place to go for that. Anyway... On to this week's topic. So yes, this week's topic is, uh, well, so yes, I went to the British Library 
and I can only recommend if you're visiting London, if you're in London or you're on your way to London, it's on till September. It's kind of part of the Pride celebrations mainly because this is Pride Month at the moment. But um, it, they have a an, an area of the British Library dedicated to uh, Gay UK. Um, gay, it's called Gay UK uh, 1967 to 2017. Love, Law and Liberty. Um, as I say, and it's part of Pride Month in the UK. Um, and just to give you kind of a brief uh, description of... Um, what they're doing with this particular uh, thing. It's just there's so much to read and there's so much stuff I want to talk about. But it's it's definitely something that I I want to... I genuinely want to recommend people spend the time. It's free to go and see it at the British Library. Um, but yes, this is how they uh, describe it, just to give you an outline. Um, what they say is, since the passing of the Sexual Offences Act in 1967, there has been a transformation in society's perceptions of and attitudes towards gay love and expression. Um, spanning over a century of social and legislative change in Britain, this exhibition explores gay lives and loves from the trial of Oscar Wilde in 1895 to the government's posthumous pardoning of historical homosexual offences in 2017. It considers how gay men and women have been represented and how they have sought to describe and define themselves. Uh, they go on to say, We've chosen to respect current debates that define transgender identities as distinct from those of gay, lesbian and bisexual communities. Okay. Um, then, uh, this anniversary year is an occasion to celebrate how far we have come. However, significant challenges remain. Reported hate crime is on the rise in the UK, and divisions in society are increasingly apparent right across the globe. How, in 2017, do we protect and build on these hard-won liberties for present and future generations? So yeah, there you go, that's kind of an, an outline of uh, what it's all about. And um, it's fascinating, and I, I know I use the word moving a lot, but I, I maybe I'm moved by too many things, but I'd rather be moved than not moved. Um, but some stuff that is so important um, and I'm going to uh, put some pictures of some of the stuff um, on my um, well put it on Twitter and I'll put it definitely put it on Instagram so I'll give you my Instagram details at the end if you haven't had a look before so there'll be stuff on that for you to discover um, so I kind of just what I'm going to do is give you a little bit of a, an idea of some of the things and talk about some of the, the the topics and things that touch nerves with me, and maybe talk a little about about the people that were involved in in the things that I was uh, uh, reading about or looking at. So uh, we'll start at the very beginning. So one of the first things you come across is a poster, um, an outrage poster. Now I've discussed outrage with you before prior to this. Um, outrage uh, were um, an activism group but the poster, before we go any further the poster, this is before gay marriage existed, okay, or even civil partnership um, and the poster uh, the, the, it said Charles can marry twice gays can't marry once <laughs> and that really stuck with me Charles as being Prince Charles and of course talking about the fact he was able to um Mary Camilla after Diana um, and that the 
at that point there was no way that uh, a gay relationship could be sealed by marriage or civil partnership or anything so making a point there but it kind of took me back to um to outrage um they were um i didn't really talk too much about them before but i know just to give you kind of an outline and for people in the rest of the world just so you know because it's i think uh that you can of course you can google them investigate them um but to give you a bit of a kind of background on them they were formed in um in 1990 um and i've talked to you before about me going to a, a lesbian and gay center um in the Farringdon area and it was one of my first experiences of kind of being with gay people and that's where they uh they were founded shall we say um and and the reasons they were uh there were many reasons but there was kind of at that point as there is again slightly at the moment there was kind of a, um a lot of gay bashing happening um and there'd been a few homophobic murders uh, in London and uh, there was one particular scenario uh, there was a guy called Michael Booth who sadly was um, kicked to death in the centre of London um, there was a point where I started writing a play about that particular thing and then I just kind of felt it was just too, too dark and too depressing for me at that point maybe something I could go back to now but um it was it was kind of around that and and the 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 anger that was growing um and the time there was the the the, the um should we say the queer lgbt presence in the police force was a lot uh less and the understanding and and kind of the activity between the police and lgbt people that you know there was quite a divide there was a bit of a wall um, and uh, I'm just looking up here what how they uh, describe themselves or described themselves um, to assert the dignity and human rights of queers and they did use the word queer rather than homosexual or gay um, fight homophobia, discrimination and violence directed against us and to affirm our right to sexual freedom, choice and self-determination so yeah, I mean, they kind of, they were inspired by probably the stronger movement, stronger activist movements from around the world. Um, uh, in in the US, and hello listeners in the US, uh, you had ACT UP, and it was kind of our version of ACT UP. Um, and uh, I suppose uh, the, the way that a lot of the, the black civil rights groups worked as well and it's kind of they use those, those as their model to some degree um, and yeah I mean some people found them a little bit too um, kind of out and and, and the, a lot of people didn't want to align themselves to them and obviously we've talked about Stonewall before and a lot of people were happier being with Stonewall who were slightly less um, physically active group outrage uh, would tie themselves to railings um, and and lie down in the road in front of if they felt somebody was visiting to the UK who who was uh, coming from a place of homophobia and that the British government shouldn't really be allowing their visit 
they would go and lie in the road. That's kind of the activity that they they undertook. And um, yeah, I I I, I did join in uh, a lot of their protests, certainly outside Parliament back in the day. Um, and uh, yes, another thing that uh, comes to mind, there was a point when they were dealing with what was kind of known as, well, it was known certainly in our, in the LGBT community, uh, as murder music. Uh, murder music was um, a kind of strain of, um, how would you describe it? It wasn't reggae, but... Um, but it had that tinge to it. But it it was essentially encouraging in uh, patois, encouraging people to to kill gay people in 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 rap and song, so to speak. And it it was then eventually um, uh, members of the LGBT community turned it on its head and owned it, literally owned it, and did. The kind of uh, and did uh, answers answer back tracks um, and kind of using that style of music and and turning on its head. Um, even Boy George was quite active in that for a while and uh, kind of promoting that. So the style of music uh, was then people kind of I suppose felt less afraid of it. Um, but there there was a wave of. Of, of that happening at the same time so anyway outrage were very very active um and uh, and i have a lot of respect and time for them so i did just want to give him a few minutes on this podcast and um definitely investigate them if you haven't and if you're from anywhere else in the world as i say just uh, outrage uk um have a look um and uh yes a big shout out to those people and thank them for all the struggles they went through yeah, and then there is uh, there's an area um, where they kind of have original covers of um, particular uh, magazines of gay interest, and there was uh, like there's the first time that Prince William appeared on the um, the cover of Attitude, the UK big gay magazine in the UK, um, which is a big deal. First time I remember the royal family had done that, and uh, and good on him, and was interviewed. Um, some slightly more alternative fanzines. Uh, queer zines. There's one here that I, I uh, that particularly took my interest, and I didn't know existed, and it was called Nancy. And uh, I wish I could. Uh, I say I'll post these on on Instagram, but the the cover picture is a, a a little boy who looks similar to the way I did. It's it's a drawing, but sort of curly haired little boy uh, with uh, two kittens in a pink t shirt, and it particularly took my eye. So. Yeah, maybe uh, have a Google of that. But anyway, it's called Nancy, a queer zine. Um, and uh, the uh, the little bit of bump that went with it, this I found quite interesting. We said, um, embracing the inner Nancy. Nancy uh, is a queer zine by Alex Creep, initially created in response to the bashing of an effeminate male character called Kurt in the American television show Glee, who also comes, uh, the, the guy that plays that role, comes from Fresno, where Keith comes from. Anyway, fun fact. Um, Creep writes, I started attempting a bile-filled rant, my fingers flying across the keys like angry northern soul dancers. 
It was then that I realised I'd had pent-up rage about effeminacy and issues facing fem guys simmering for a long, long time. I'd experienced being made to feel inadequate, unattractive and just plain wrong for being a girly boy but I'd never drilled down into it or had a conversation with anyone who felt the same. Hence why he put this uh, magazine together. Um, I just found it fascinating. Fascinating. I mean, the, the, the thing is, obviously, I've talked to, uh, I've talked to, I definitely talked to Peter, my guest Peter, um, Andrew, um, Stuart Saint, um, Menno. In fact, probably a lot of the guests that I'm a bit closer to, we discussed the whole... Um, the question of uh, how men who in in the public eye are who are LGBT people, gay men, uh, how their effeminacy is 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 uh, accepted or not accepted within the gay, especially the gay male community. Um, we mentioned uh, John Inman, Larry Grayson, Kenny Everett to some degree. Um, these people that uh, d just were very in your face, for want of better words, um, with the way they moved, the way they behaved, and they were effeminate and unapologetic. And I do think there is an element to uh, some of the community that people want to attack them. I've, I think it's partly, partially to do with threat I'm not threatened by it and sometimes I've played characters who are those people I say I've discussed this in other podcasts I'm happy to play those people and I find those people actually quite empowering I recently was listening to an interview with Julian Clary and uh, if you don't know who Julian Clary is I know a lot of the UK of course all UK listeners will know who he is um, but he started out as an alternative comic in the 80s um, called the Joan Collins Fan Club. And he he uh, was extreme camp, but kind of a little bit more threatening than any of the others. He also had an element of, I suppose, he looked a bit like Depeche Mode when they were doing the bondage, but with quite a lot more rouge, shall we say. And Julian Clary is is now kind of a national treasure in the UK. So he kind of went from being that and people finding him quite intimidating to being completely loved by the nation. He, in fact, won Celebrity Big Brother. But anyway, yes, definitely digressing here. Um, so I just find it is fascinating that uh, th these kind of magazines exist to to stand up for for the sissy. And I think it's obviously changing with, uh, with, and I'm going to mention it, but uh, with shows like, Ru well, there's only RuPaul's Drag Race, um, that people's attitudes towards men embracing that side of themselves and not being threatened by it or finding it uh, demoralising or demeaning in any way. So, um, so anyway, so that was the fanzine. I really liked that. And here's just a quote that was placed on the wall that I found very interesting and actually did sort of touch some nerves. Um, it's from Panty Bliss. Now, Panty Bliss, we, I believe I have discussed, I, yes, I discussed with the, the episode with Menno. Um, Panty Bliss is um, a drag activist um, and impresario 
uh, from Dublin, uh, who I did meet a few years ago when I was in the Dublin at the Dublin Gay Theatre Festival, and uh, I just have lots of respect for. Um, and but there's a quote from her on the wall, and uh, referring to herself as this is when she's with her partner um, or partners. I'm 45 years old, and I have never casually, comfortably carelessly held hands with a partner in public and that actually really brings up something quite interesting in me and I know that despite us living in London and it being very cosmopolitan that when I do hold Keith's hand in public it's usually if we've had a couple of sherries in an evening and I'm feeling particularly brave but it's not just something that I, I just don't do. And you don't see that often, even in London. I've seen it more. San Francisco, it's quite, it's extremely common. And people kind of don't bat an eyelid. In London, outside of Old Compton Street, outside of Vauxhall, outside of pockets of Shoreditch and Dalston, people I think would still people are still uncomfortable I know I'm uncomfortable I shouldn't speak for everybody that's really unfair I know I'm uncomfortable uh, still uh, holding hands in public and it's 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 fear it's ingrained fear that comes from way back um, well way back in time but also way back in my own timeline and it's ridiculous I'm going to be marrying a man and there's going to be lots of people with us celebrating by the way (laughs) little digression for you we've booked our wedding we have it booked we have the day booked we've paid a deposit and it's going to be on the 24th of March next year 2018 24th of March put it in your diary and then you can congratulate us on the day (laughs) Uh, anyway so that's wonderful but really what I'm saying is that I can do that I'm happy to do that but I suppose I'm doing that with a group of people who are my friends and our family and that's okay and I just need to be more as I've said before I need to be more politically active one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast this week about this particular exhibition um, at the British Library is because this is sort of part of my pride celebrations is going back and thinking about the past and celebrating the past and looking forward to the future Um, which is something I don't do a lot with mindfulness I spend so much time trying to be present but sometimes it's actually good to think about what's been and be hopeful for what's going to go ahead particularly in London we've had a rough it's been a rough year in London for many different reasons And so finding reasons to be positive, especially on a Pride Month, that's what I'm doing. So take this as part of my Pride celebration. Uh, Keith and I are travelling down to do Margate Pride, Um, all being well as long as I don't get wrapped up in a contract at the time, uh, to stay with our friends Paul and Peter, who live down there, and, uh, and, and, and do that in a new town with, uh, with a, with a, I think it's probably only three years old, maybe their pride. So really looking forward to going to something that's sort of burgeoning. And um, if I can, I'd like to make it down to Brighton Pride as well. Uh, London Pride, I think I'm actually going to be working this year. Um, I'm usually doing something. It seems to have happened in the last few years. But anyway, it's this is this is my 
part of my celebration. So, um, hey, let's chink a glass to the future and to the past. And then this one's really for the for the literary lovers. Um, there is the original manuscript, the original scribblings of uh, Sarah Waters. Sarah Waters, who wrote um, the the novel Tipping the Velvet. Um, and it's just fascinating because I watched some of the show and Keith's a big fan of the story and, and the books and her books in particular. Um, just to give you, again, if you're not sure what Tipping the Velvet is, here is uh, the description. Um, Sarah Waters' debut novel, Tipping the Velvet, vividly imagines a lesbian presence and history in late Victorian London. A presence that of necessity remained largely unrecorded at the time. A key character in the novel is the male impersonator, Kitty Butler, and the opening page, and this, and then they've got this page, uh, the opening page from Sarah Waters' notebooks, um, and talks about Kitty's origins. Um, and Kitty's origins coming from um, Mary Lloyd, who was an actress famous performing songs laden with innuendo. Um, and uh, Tom's, talks about Tom's, which was the uh, Victorian slang for masculine women. Um, and the novel won uh, won lots of awards and it was 2002 when it was on TV um, I don't know if it would be on YouTube but it's definitely around and uh, again it's definitely an interesting piece of Victoriana um, and a world long gone um, but of course we do have drag kings now as well people talk a lot about drag queens but I'm certainly in uh, I think cities more like, uh, well, we have them in London, uh, mixing in the slightly more alternative world of clubs. Um, but I know in uh, places like Seattle and Portland in the US, there's uh, quite a big drag queen, dra drag king presence. Um, and uh, I think maybe it's a time for them to have a show too, to run alongside RuPaul. Anyway, um, so that was Sarah Waters. So um, yeah, have a look at that. And then there's a whole section um, kind of dedicated to music and to pop culture, uh, especially in the, well, actually this particular, uh, there's a there's a section that's dedicated to pretty much the 80s. Um, and um, it has uh, a lot of uh, original album artwork from uh, Culture Club, uh, Erasure, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, The Pet Shop Boys and, uh, and Bronsky Beat. Um, if you don't know any of them, then you definitely must go back and Google some of those names. Um, I particularly love uh, the original artwork for uh, the Frankie Goes to Hollywood 12-inch um, single, Relax. It's, uh, it's fairly... I mean, for its time, it was pretty risque. Um, but... Uh, have a look that's all I'll say I won't describe it too much now um, a lot of people will know what exactly what I'm talking about it's an image of a of a well he's not naked but kind of a a, a semi-naked guy lying back to back with uh, a woman with shocking red hair um, in kind of a leather fetish bra um and it's quite it's quite a beautiful image actually, but it's it's quite strong. Um, but yes, these these images take me back to the days when uh, 
uh, when, when that music was everything to me and it still is still has a big place in my heart but i'm glad that uh something that's celebrating um uh, gay culture in the uk does touch on music because i say i think for a lot of us that's such an important part of it and uh, they are going to have a talk and i don't know the date i should have uh, i should check i will i will put a link to it they are going to have a talk um with about and with musicians from that period um called David Bowie made me gay. <laughs> um, so uh, that's going to be at the British Library. I have to say, though, they have lots of talks, performances, um, musical recitals, all related to this particular exhibition uh, for the next, I think, right through to September. Um, anyway, I will. I'm definitely going to go and uh, going to David Bowie made me gay. Going to that one. Um, so I'll tell you more about that as and when. So, yes, other things. There are so much uh, stuff that just caught my imagination and, and my memory. Um, there was the original draft of the script of My Beautiful Laundrette. And I, if you haven't seen My Beautiful Laundrette, I know I sometimes don't like using the word charming, but it's one of the most charming films ever. Um it's very it's very romantic it's very of its time um and it's pretty much daniel day lewis's first big break um and he has a blonde flat top which at the time as i said to you before flat top hair was something that i was going for and i was very attracted to men who had flat top hairstyles um so that film played a major part in my uh in, in in my coming out really um but yes yeah, so it's just it's things like that they have a lot of stuff like that and a queer cinema I, I i am going to i have one guest ahead um who uh wants to kind of explore uh gay lgbtq queer cinema um so i do want to talk about a bit more about that we did touch on um my own private idaho and it did uh it did bring up a, a, a few things with people and so I want to delve into that a little bit more down the line but anyway if you haven't watched My Beautiful Laundrette it's um, Hanif Qureshi is the director go and discover it go and find it and there's a whole section on um, kind of when laws uh, were changed and repeal happened and um, there's there's a there's a section about not just about specifically the UK but actually uh, Northern Ireland and Scotland there was a group um, that I'd forgotten existed called the Scottish Minorities Group and they were founded in actually in 1969 wow um, and uh, to challenge I'm just going to read their bump here challenge the inequality in the Sexual Offences Act in 1967 and this I'd forgotten this you see in Scotland was still illegal to be homosexual regardless of your age until the passing of the Criminal Justice Act in 1980. That's really late. I mean, I know it's not that far away, but it's, you know, from the 60s to the 80s. The partial legalisation granted to gay men in England and Wales prompted a migration of gay men from Scotland, but many stayed and fought for their rights. 
networks like the Scottish Minorities Group and public protests kept the issue alive. Um, I, yes, this is the this is the sort of stuff that I, I I feel that everybody should go, especially younger people should go and and discover. And I'm saying it's just prompted me to go back and have a look at it, and and I'd forgotten this stuff. Um, again, in uh, in Northern Ireland, um, gay men had to wait until um, 1982 uh, for it to 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 be to be legal. Um, and there was a, a group called the Belfast Gay Liberation Society who were kind of leading the way with law reform. Um, and of course, they came up against a lot of um, opposition uh, from um, Ian Paisley. Um, it, it, it was, uh, it, you know, it was it was been a tough place to be gay uh, in the 70s and the, and, the, and the 80s. And basically being gay was being very political. So, um, so yeah, so it's that stuff again. So I, I, I can only, I can only recommend people going and, and having a look at that. Um, there was a group called the Gay Liberation Front who had a magazine. Um, uh, they were kind of the forerunners, the Gay Liberation Front, who were setting up the initial prides. Um, and uh, there was a copy of uh, an old paper called Gay News, which was just a little bit before my time and and uh the the page they had displayed was um was a list of names of people who were going through trials uh currently relating to their sexuality and the list goes on and on and on it's hundreds of names um and this was uh 1978 um which kind of also brings me to uh the well very interesting is uh there was um, there's a souvenir program uh, for the 1979 Gay Pride in London, um, and uh, it was uh, the first one. Apparently, took place in 1972, so I would have been a wee nipper. Um, and people marched. It was a march and protest more than a, a march. Sounds about like it. Um, from Trafalgar Square to Hyde Park um, and uh, it was to commemorate the 10 year anniversary of Stonewall which was 1969 and I was one it was 28th of June 1969 so it was two days before my first birthday wow um, and again uh, Stonewall Inn I, uh, Keith and I visited when we were in New York and it's just a it's just a pub now and uh it, I mean, I, but just being in there, I still had this immense sense of what happened before and, and, and everything I've read. Um, and again, if you haven't haven't read about Stonewall from whatever walk of life, straight, gay, whoever you are, and you haven't kind of read up on your Stonewall history, do go and do that now. <laughs> so, yes, there was a whole uh, section about... Uh, some people will remember, people more my age will probably remember, there was a footballer. He was kind of the first out footballer, really, in a in a world that's particularly, to this day, is particularly homophobic. Um, there are people actively trying to change that, and there are a lot of gay football teams, and that's brilliant. I mean, I'm not a massive football fan myself, but 
um, that's not because I'm gay. That's just because I, I, I wouldn't be wherever my sexuality lies. It's not nothing to do with that. I do if if football, when football, kind of World Cup, that interests me. When it gets quite, it can get quite exciting. Uh, and when you see some of the best players in the world, and you kind of understand the skill involved when it's played well. Anyway, Justin Fashionu was uh, was uh, for all intents and purposes was an incredible footballer. He was a professional footballer, uh, and there's a whole section about him in uh, in this exhibition. Um, and he was a he was a footballer from um, like late seventies, right through to well the year before he died. Um, he was quite important as well. He was uh, apparently he was the first black footballer uh, to get um, a million pound transfer when he went uh, to Nottingham Forest when they bought him essentially and he was the first one to get a, a million pounds the first black one uh, black footballer so uh, so you know he was doing all sorts of groundbreaking stuff um, but he had a really difficult life his sexuality was dogged with problems and accusations there was a court case um, he just had an incredibly rough time and it was, it wasn't made any better by the home homophobia he faced from within the game from his boss. His boss at one point, his boss at Nottingham Forest, uh, people in the UK will know this name, Brian Clough, uh, was really homophobic towards him and discovered that Justin was going out and just doing what gay men do and going out to clubs. I don't mean anything untoward. He was just going out and being in gay places and spaces. And uh, and he clamped down on it and used to refer him to used to refer to him to him as a puff, um, and that's before <laughs> before we'd claimed that word back ourselves really. Um, other players would abuse would be abusive to him. Um, people didn't want to be in a changing room with him, um, and then crowd abuse from the fans. On the terraces in the football stadiums, he'd get it from not only from the the team that uh, he'd be playing against, but also from within the the fans of the team that, of, especially with like Nottingham Forest. So he had it from all sides, abuse from all sides. Um, his brother, who's also was a also a, a pro footballer, um, wasn't supportive at all. Um, and kind of sort of cut him out a bit. Later down the line, he did apologise, but allegedly, allegedly, he now denies that his brother was gay. But there was evidence and letters and partners, and he'd already admitted it anyway. Um, and sadly, he ended his life. Um, he'd been to a sauna in Shoreditch, and within a very short time, uh, broke into a into a garage, into a kind of a lock-up garage under a railway uh, arch, I think it was, um, and uh, and hung himself in this garage. And just the incredible amounts of stress and pressure and just never being uh, let off the hook. I mean, a brave, a very brave move uh, back in, well, I mean, it's, you know, 90s when this happened. and But even now there is an incredible amount of homophobia in football and I'm pleased to see 
that people are actively setting up matches between uh, gay teams and straight teams, um, and that there are there are a lot of people and a lot of my friends, my my gay male friends, um, go to football matches. I know people who actively go to football matches and have a brilliant time, and uh, and I think some teams are much more uh, open to that. Um, two very good friends of mine uh, support a team and they go uh, they, they post lots of pictures of themselves at said football team's ground on Facebook and it's changing but again um, it was just someone to f- for everybody to note and have a look at and have a think about um, just a very incredibly brave man Justin Fashionu and on to a, a, a hero of mine uh, a definite hero of mine um, Derek Jarman. There's a there's a section on on Derek Jarman. Um, I did a film for the Derek Jarman Lab, which is uh, something that was founded uh, in relation to his work. Um, I voiced Charles Dickens for them uh, last year. Um, but Derek Jarman is uh, a fascinating character. He was. Um, a film director, uh, a theatre director to some degree. Um, he was uh, a designer, um, an author, uh, and uh, I think an incredibly handsome man, actually. Um, and uh, ha- he, he was he was very much a, a gay rights activist. Um, and he was kind of one of the first people to talk about... Um, about being HIV positive, um, eventually he died of AIDS. Um, he was fifty-two when he died. Um, but uh, I had a friend who was also uh, very intrigued by him and used to go down. and Derek Jarman had a had a cottage in a place called Dungeness in Kent, down on the coast. Coast and um, my friend used to go and spend a lot of time down there, and said he found he found it quite. A peaceful place, despite it being right next to this nuclear power station. There, there, there are pictures in in some of Jarman's books of of this area, and he was really interested in 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 gardens and 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 making this beautiful cottage, kind of the gardens around it and shells. And I remember images of lots of shells that you take from the sea and the ocean. But there was this power station right next door, um, in Dungeness. It's kind of a quite a strange quite a strange place um his his films oh my goodness there uh the one the one that kind of really first caught my attention was uh jubilee um which was about uh elizabeth I, and um it was there are a lot of big players um adamant was in it toya was in it um and it was kind of a punk version of the of her story of the, the Elizabeth First's story, um, and um, was quite beautiful, but quite yeah was 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 punk I guess. Um, there there were there there were a few um, uh, Sebastiane, um, and it was quite I mean fairly. I suppose fairly explicit in its sexuality, um, and I remember uh, it being on television, and this is before I was really uh, out 
um, kind of secretly watching it very quietly in my room uh, on a black and white television and just kind of being very, kind of enthralled by it but being also really nervous I was going to be caught out and um, but finding it quite beautiful I'm not talking about the, the sexual stuff that's that's by the by it was just uh, the style of his friend of his films uh, was was very specifically him I, I can only say go in and, and discover his stuff um, he works a lot with Tilda Swinton um, Tilda Swinton was working with the Jarman lab about the same time I was I didn't have the uh, chance to meet her unfortunately but um, uh, yeah Channel 4 were a big uh, supporter of him Channel 4 the British television company uh, back in the day they used to be quite experimental and would take a lot of um, a lot of risks uh, funding a lot of his stuff um, but he's a he's a, a fascinating character he did um, he did direct uh, music videos as well he directed Pet Shop Boys uh, Morrissey or The Smiths or maybe both um, and uh, there's one film that he created called Blue and it's just kind of a, a long it's a basically a single shot and the screen is just blue for the whole film um, and there's kind of just um, classical music but really it's about him and him losing his his eyesight related to the related to AIDS um, and kind of what he was the way he was seeing the world um and yeah, would would be very was very would kind of would be very brave with his art. Um, I can definitely recommend going and, and checking him out. But um, a very and I say very handsome man too. And of course, Joe Orton. <laughs> we talked about him a lot before. Um, there's a there's a big section on Mr. Orton. Um, there's also a section uh, of uh, a diary that Kenneth Williams, the actor. Um, Kenneth Williams, for people who don't know um, from other parts of the world, Kenneth Williams was uh, was a gay man um, and uh, was incredibly funny, incredibly witty, and was in a series of films uh, called Carry On Films. I'm I'm uh, preaching to the converted. I know in the UK, um, but anyway, he spent a lot of time hanging out with Joe Orton, the playwright. Joe Orton was a playwright, um, and. Uh, was he was sadly he was murdered by his very jealous partner and lots of people only remember that and their life together was complicated and uh, and I think there was an element of of um, Joe Orton was a too, too free spirited for um, his partner Kenneth and it was yeah it, it, it ended tragically but. Not to dwell on the on the tragic, but um, Joe Orton is again is again a big a big hero of mine. Um, entertaining Mr. Sloan, Loot, um, what the Butler saw. These are just a few of the plays that he wrote. He was actually asked to write a screenplay um, uh, for the Beatles, which was what Up Against It uh, was basically. Um, but the Beatles never did it because Brian Epstein wasn't happy that 
Joe Orton wrote scenes where all the Beatles were in bed together um, as though they had just finished um, canoodling, shall we say. And Brian Epstein was not happy with that. was having none of it. Um, it's all in um, a film. But there's a film version of his story called Prick Up Your Ears. And I think I may have mentioned it before. Um, and it stars Gary Oldman and Alfred Molina, two very good actors playing Joe and Kenneth. And go and definitely, again, one for the, the gay cinema list, go and have a look at that. Um it's very funny. It's very sad in the end, but it's a lot of it's very funny. Um, and Gary Oldman is incredible as Joe Orton. I have probably said this before. Anyway, for those who haven't discovered Joe Orton, go and do that too. Yeah, and then there's a, a section here that I'm going to actually uh, uh, read verbatim for you because I think this is very important bit of history to to hear. Um, it's called Private Lives and Public Acts. Um, and basically it says, Throughout the 1940s and 1950s, Britain's laws relating to homosexuality remained entrenched in the 19th century. During the early 1950s, as many as 1,000 men were imprisoned every year amid a widespread clampdown on homosexual offences. The sheer volume of prosecutions and the many high-profile court cases involving famous names ensured the country's repressive laws remained in the public eye. Amidst growing anxiety about public order, a government committee, chaired by Lord Wolfenden, was set up to consider both homosexual offences and prostitution. The committee's report, published in 1957, reached the conclusion that homosexual behaviour between consenting adults in private should no longer be a criminal offence. The political, will, uh, the political will to act on the report was initially weak, leading to the rise of organised campaigns to, man, to maintain the pressure for change. A crucial, although far from conclusive, step towards greater legal acceptance of homosexuality was finally taken when the Sexual Offences Act was passed by Parliament in 1967. Just to kind of keep you up to date on that, because I think this again is really important stuff, um, and... Uh, if you're not going to be able to get down to see this uh, exhibition, I just want to kind of give you um, a little bits, tidbits um, of the of the history of it. Um, there's a lot about Oscar Wilde and Bosey, and that stuff is been is very well documented. And I'm not going to discuss a lot of that now. I'm Oscar Wilde is was incredible, and uh, there is kind of an element of the, the romance between Oscar and Bosey was well uh, initially. Uh, it was it was very romantic but then uh, I think Bosey probably didn't turn out to be the most romantic person at the end of at the end of things um, and obviously Oscar's uh, downfall and Reading Jail and there's a lot about that in there and um, I, I'm not going to go too much into that but again Oscar Wilde is a massive hero of mine and uh, and I love his blaze and, and I, I'm hoping someone will give me a chance to do some more of his work uh, very, very soon. So that takes me on to Noel Coward, and there's a whole section about Noel Coward here as well. Um, there is a letter there that the the uh, the letter that banned his play, The Vortex, um, and uh, there apparently was a the scene in Act Three uh, um, of uh, drug taking and a son upbraiding his mother for the immoral conduct of her life. 
and how revolting it is, revolting to the last degree. This is the letter uh, that the uh, the prosecution um, put against it. Um, the, the people that were banning it, in fact, I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> the, the final paragraph of the letter banning it is just, I am inclined to ban this play entirely. Um, quite shopping, shocking, really, that people would, that, that, that such a thing would be banned. Um, Coward's play, The Vortex, was about um, uh, Florence and her son, and um, it was it was pretty much out there, and uh, there was drug taking in it. And but the 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 thing that the critics have kind of said since is that the drug taking was actually a, a metaphor for uh, the son's uh, homosexuality. Um, and it obviously ended up being presented, but, uh, not, um, not without, as I've just read, without its troubles. Um, it's, uh, I mean, Noel Coward again is, uh, is an, in, is a incredible, was an incredible man. Um, fascinating. And, uh, obviously when I, I have put link to, um, his song about London uh, three episodes ago at the end of the episode. If you didn't ever hear that, go back and revisit that and have a look at the episode and actually have a look at the episode description and you'll find a link to my one of the most positive songs about London you'll ever hear. But Noel Coward, incredible. And there's a section um, about, um, about Virginia Woolf and her writing Orlando. Um, and, of course, Orlando, very... Uh, gender bending androgynous shall we say um and uh they talk a lot about um virginia wolf uh meeting uh vita sackville west um in the 20s um and becoming lovers and uh that orlando was inspired kind of partly partially through that um the other thing the, uh, that that came out at the same time was uh, Radcliffe Hall's uh, Well of Loneliness, and um, I think it's kind of a rite of passage for gay women, for lesbians to to read that book. Um, I uh, I know the synopsis. I've never sat and read the thing, and I feel I should again as part of uh, me celebrating my own version of Pride. I think that's something I need to do uh, is to read. Uh, well of loneliness, Radcliffe Hall. Um, say it was uh, again. People were shocked at the time by both Virginia Woolf and Radcliffe Hall, um, and the way they presented themselves to the world. So um, again, heroes. Um, there are so so many moments in this wonderful um, exhibition. As I say, it's at uh, the British Library. And I can only recommend you going and spending the time if you are in the UK and you are in London. There's a lot about um, other playwrights that I uh, admire. Neil Bartlett, have a Google of him. Um, he's still with us and uh, some of his plays are incredibly powerful. And um, he's worked at the Lyric in Hammersmith for many years and um, was in fact, I think he was artistic director there for a while. Um, 
there's a lot about E.M. Forster and the film, well, the film, there we go, I go straight to the film, the book, Morris, which was later, many, many years later, a film, which again is one on the list and I find is uh, is incredibly romantic. Um, I think the main takeaway message for this week's podcast, um, and I hope you've stuck with me and I hope you do find... Uh, you did find my little trip around uh, the British Library and this particular um, commission interesting and uh, that I do want you to LGBT or otherwise to all my audience and I know you are from every walk of life and every sexuality and every religious inclination is to just spend a little bit of time um, even in your own country, um, if you live in a country where it's uh, legal and uh, it, it, there's a fight going on everywhere at the moment, it's an ongoing, ongoing fight, is to go back and just have a little investigation of your own country's history. Especially, as I say, it's Pride Month, a lot of places around the world. Um, so go and embrace it, and I'm certainly going to do that, and I'm going to make an effort to just get out and be with other gay people and spend a bit more time thinking about how we got to where we are now. Anyway, thank you people so much for joining me again. Um, I look forward to telling you all about how rehearsals are going and introducing you to some of the cast, hopefully. Um, I'm planning to do a few live not live sorry live I'm not going to go that we're not going live just yet uh, a few outside uh, recordings so I'm investigating being able to kind of make myself a little bit more portable so it's not just me uh, on my own or me in my studio here at home or me and and people via Skype that I can go to people which excites me um, I have one guest coming up who people are going to be very excited about but I well it's yet to be confirmed, but I'm really, really looking forward to, fingers crossed, confirming this one. Anyway, I really hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you again so much for being wonderful people and tuning in every week. And have have a great pride in the meantime. Thanks, guys. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>